0: I've been asked if I could deal with the subject of angels, and that's one of those subjects that you don't just have standing ready at all times, like maybe on a simple issue of baptism or the New Testament church, or perhaps uh, even some of the controversial things, as we mentioned in class this morning, uh, like Romans 14 or the matter of divorce and remarriage. Most of us stand ready at the spur of the moment to go deal with one of those issues. So let's talk a little while this morning and this evening as well about angels. And let me begin by asking this question. Why do you believe in the existence of angels? Assuming you do, that you believe angels are real and you believe they exist, why do you believe in the existence of angels? And if some friend of yours at work or at school or a neighbor asks you or family members ask you if you believe in angels and you say yes, and they said, why? What would be your answer? Especially when they have been neither seen nor heard by you. I doubt anyone present would claim, I saw an angel. I talked to an angel. So why do you believe in angels? When... There's not any firsthand or empirical evidence that you have experienced whereby you know there's angels. Why do you believe in angels? This is an important question. Because how you answer that question has everything to do with whether the rest of this study will benefit you at all, or tonight's study will benefit you at all. How you answer that question. Your answer will most likely will be because of what has been revealed in the scriptures. <clears throat> If you were to ask me, do you believe in angels? I will say, yes, I believe in angels. Do you believe they're real? Yes, I believe they're real. Do you believe they're active? Yes, I do. Why? Not because of something I've seen or experienced. Because I can open the text and what I can find revealed in the scriptures is why I believe in angels. Now, why is that such an important thing to establish? Because that's the only way we know anything we know about angels. If I were to question you about what do you know about angels and you say, well, angels are, and you tell me, well, how do you know that? If, if your answer was because of what's revealed in the scriptures, then in order to answer that, you're going to have to point to the scriptures as to how you came to that conclusion. If you tell me angels are spirits, how do you know? Because of what's revealed in the scriptures. So... That's how I'm going to answer any question that I answer with reference to angels, properly so. I'm not going to be able to excite some experience. Well, I was going down the road one day and I almost had this crash and it would have been a crash, but there was an angel that stopped me from having this crash. I'm not going to be able to excite something of that line and say, here is the empirical evidence where I have seen and experienced angels. Everything has to be answered from the scriptures. There are nearly 300 references to angels in the Bible. I say nearly 300, I think some 294 or 297, depending on your translation. You will find the word angel or angels, but there are more references than that to what may be thought to be angels. There are some passages that are questionable, was that an angel or not? And are these angels that are mentioned here? And we'll talk about some of that as we go along. Now, these references reveal a lot about angels, as you're going to see in these two lessons. There's a great deal revealed about angels. In fact, there's probably more revealed about angels than we think of on the surface, and yet there are many questions that are still unanswered. There's a great deal about angels that I wonder about that I go to the Scriptures and I haven't found the answer to. And you have questions, I'm sure, about angels that we won't find the answer to that. And the only thing I can say is the Scriptures doesn't say anything about that. I don't know. I don't know. So here are the two lessons we're going to consider. This morning, we're going to talk about angels, and we'll talk about the meaning of the word angel. What does the word angel mean? We'll talk about the origin of angels, the nature of angels, and the role of angels. That's a lot to cover. And we may not get all that way through that. We may have to stop and finish some of that tonight. But we've got a big list for tonight, and that is we're going to look at questions about angels. And that is, does man have communication with angels? Do angels talk with us? Can we communicate with them? Is there any evidence of that? Do angels have wings? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Does the Bible talk about angels and wings? And do we have, more importantly, guardian angels? There are some Christians who believe in guardian angels. And we'll talk about some in history who have believed in that and advocated guardian angels. Are all angels good? If if I can identify angels somehow, could I identify all angels as being good angels, or are there some bad angels? And then, what is the destiny of angels? And so, we've got a big uh, task before us to try to cover all this with reference to angels. Let's start with this. Let's talk about the meaning of the word angel. The word angel simply means a messenger. And when I get through, and I am not going to do this, but I could compound lexicographer after after lexicographer and passage after passage after passage. And when we get through with all of that, we could spend an hour just going through definitions and passages where it's used. When we get through, we come to the same conclusion. It just simply means messenger. So let's go to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that is translated angel simply means, according to Brown, Driver, and Briggs, messenger. It does not always refer to angelic beings. In other words, that word that simply means messenger can be applied to some other being than the angelic beings. How do I know? Well, Malachi 3.1, it seems to refer to the pre-incarnate Christ. Not that he was an angel, but he was a messenger. Same word translated angel. We come to the New Testament, it's the word Angelos. Which Bedag says it simply means an envoy, one who is sent, a messenger. It means the same thing that the Hebrew word means. This word does not always refer to angelic beings either. In fact, it's used in Matthew 11.10 to refer to John the Baptist. He was indeed a messenger, but he wasn't an angel in the sense of the angel Gabriel or Michael the archangel or any of the other angels that rejoice in heaven like Luke 15. These angels are real beings. They're just as real as any human. They're just as real as deity, but they are neither. We'll give evidence of that in a moment. They are not divine in their nature, nor are they human. They may take on the mission of God, and sometimes equated with God only in the sense that they are messengers of God, they may be equated with humans only in the sense they took on the form of human at times. But they're real, but not human, not deity, but they're just as real as both. Just as an interesting footnote, Mary Baker Eddy of the Christian Science said that angels are pure thoughts or exalted thoughts. That's all angels are. Just if you're having a pure thought or an exalted thought, that is an angel, kind of a far-fetched from anything revealed in the scripture so the word angel simply means messenger now that may help us a little bit as we go along with our other questions let's talk about the origin of angels where they come from the bible doesn't directly say a great deal about the origin of angels but we deduce from several passages and by the way if you're taking notes and trying to follow we're going to compound i may have 10 passages listed that we'll only look at two or three and then just kind of cite the rest and why do i do that I'm trying to provide, for anybody that wants it, and you can have access to this material, I'll be glad to send you the, the PowerPoints, but I'm trying to provide thorough information about angels, rather than just give you one or two passages. Here are the ten, but we may only look at one or two. I just want to give you the, the evidence that here's more and more passages that deal with that. So we got a lot of ground to cover. Let's see if we can get through this. The angels are created beings. If that's not true, meaning they were created by God, they're not eternal. If they're not created beings, then they would be eternal, and they would then have the nature of deity. So if angels are eternal in the sense they've always existed, they were there before the beginning of time, then they're equal to the Son of God, and they're equal to the Holy Spirit, and they're equal to the Father, and they would be deity, and we could worship angels, and it were forbidden to do that. Let's look at Psalm uh, the uh, the hundred and forty eight psalm. Let's go to Psalm one forty eight and verse two. Psalm one forty eight and verse two. We're just going to hit some high points. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Now drop down to verse five. After mentioning the heavens and the waters, etc. Verse five says, "Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created." That includes the angels mentioned at verse 2. So seemingly this passage, though some may say, no, he's talking about the creation and the angels were not. But mentioning angels and his creation, they were created, seems to imply that angels indeed were created. Let's go to another passage, this time to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9 and in verse 6. Nehemiah 9 and verse 6, you are alone alone. Uh, you alone are the Lord, the heavens of heavens, and all their hosts. That would include angelic beings. So you alone, and then here's all the angelic host, the earth and everything in it, the seas and all that is in them, you preserve them, the host of heaven worships you. But notice you made the heavens and all the hosts thereof. So that implies that anything that's in heaven other than deity itself, God indeed created. Let's go to one more passage and then I'm going to just list some for you. Let's go to the 33rd Psalm, Psalm 33. Go to Psalm 33 and in verse 6. That by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So heaven and all the host therein were created by God. Now I'm just going to cite three passages quickly, not even go to those, but Psalm 33, 6, uh, we have John, uh, uh, I mean Psalm 33, 6, we have John 1 in verse 3 in Colossians chapter 1. All of those passages talk about all the host or everything was created by the word of the Lord, that would include angels. So those passages draw me to the drive me to the conclusion that angels are created beings. Now that raises another question about the creation creation when were they created the bible does not specifically tell us but exodus 20 and verse 11 tell us that all things were created during the creation week so they were not created after the six days of creation like thousand years later or sometime during the time of moses or on down the line they would have been created during creation week there seems to be an implication if you'll turn with me to the book of job let's go to the book of job chapter 38 and in verse 4, and this is where a question is being raised and challenging Job. Were you there? And God is saying, were you there when, when the world was created? Were you there at the foundation? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? That seems to be at the beginning of the creation week. And notice he says concerning that at verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Perhaps the same sons of God mentioned in Job 1 and in verse 6, which seems to have reference to angels. Can I be 100% sure those are angels? No, but if they're not angels, then I need an explanation, and you can help me with that, who are the sons of God. They seem to be angelic hosts. But they seem to be there at the foundation when they rejoiced. So, meaning by that, if they were created during creation week, it seems to be early. Some say they know it was on the first day. I don't know that. It seems to be early in the creation week that they were created. And that's as far as we're going to be able to go concerning the origin of angels. So, I know what the word angel means it means a messenger. That doesn't tell me much about what they do yet. But I want to talk about the nature of angels. What are they like? What do we know? And to define that, let's talk about what angels, first of all, are not. Let's talk about what they are not. <clears throat> they are not deity or humanity. They're neither deity or nor humanity, but they are spirits. And notice in Hebrews chapter 1, if you want to turn there quickly, we'll not turn to the Psalms passage because it's the Psalm passage that is being quoted. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 1, if you will, and in verse Verse um, verse seven to begin with, and of the angels he says, who makes his angels spirits. Now drop down to verse fourteen. Are they not all ministering spirits who are sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? Who will inherit salvation? So they are not humanity. They're not deity, but they're spirits. Now, with that in mind, that means they're not physical. Now, Luke 24 is not talking about angels per se, but a spirit does not have flesh and bones. So I've got to tie two passages together. They are spirits, but Jesus said a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Doesn't mean they don't take all flesh and bones at some point. We'll talk about that a little bit later. They may appear as humans, but they're not physical. That is, angels are not physical. They don't have flesh and bones per se. They are not mortal meaning spirits, angels do not die. Look with me to Luke, if you will. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 20. Luke chapter 20, and in verse 36. Nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons in the resurrection. They don't die and are equal to angels, which tell me angels don't die. So it's not that you have angels in heaven and some of them are dying off. Angels don't die. I'm talking about their nature. So they're not mortal. They're not physical. Nor do they engage in physical relationships. Matthew 22 and in verse 30 said they neither marry nor are given in marriage. So you don't have a man and a woman. Uh, male and female marrying each other. Among angels. Angels don't marry. Don't, they don't engage in physical relationships nor do they seem to have gender. Now let me explain by that, what I mean by that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, very very parallel to the passage we just noted. But turn over to Matthew chapter uh, 22, if you will, and in verse 30. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. If they neither marry nor given in marriage, that tells me they don't have gender. In other words, there's not male and female we don't read anywhere in the scriptures about <clears throat> this male angel, but over here was a female angel. Now, there may be, and you say, well, I think there are. Well, there may be, <clears throat> but you don't have any reference in the scriptures that's going to tell you that, is the point. Uh, there is no evidence in the scriptures to tell you that. Now, there are some names given concerning angels. Gabriel seems to be a male name, and he's mentioned Daniel 8, Daniel 9, and Luke chapter 1. That seems to be a male name but that's a name given to one of the angels. There's Michael, that seems to be a male name, Jude in verse nine, not the only place Michael is mentioned. That's one of the several places he's mentioned. But that's about as far as I can go with reference to any revelation from God about gender. They don't seem to have gender, though there are some male names that are given. Still talking about what they're not. They're not visible. Now that doesn't mean they didn't take on visibility. Uh, are the form of humans and we'll talk about that a little bit later but evidence of this is in Numbers 22 this is the case of Balaam when his donkey was stopped by an angel and Balaam didn't see the angel until the Lord opened his eyes to see it so they s- seem to be invisible where they're not their spirits and spirits don't have flesh and bones so they're not visible another thing about angels is they're not all-knowing in other words they don't have the nature of deity This is why I know they're not deity. They're not a form of deity. They're not a second-rate deity. They don't have uh, the all-knowing ability of deity. Concerning the time of the coming of the Son of Man, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, no man knows nor the angels but the Son only. Remember that? The angels don't even know the time of the second coming. So if we could talk to angels, and if we could call Michael the archangel down and have him here in our midst, now you've been in heaven and you know, and tell us when is the Lord coming again, he'd say, I don't know. He's not all-knowing. Do you remember concerning the Old Testament prophecies? If angels were there from the beginning, that is, from the early days of creation, when the prophets gave their message that came from the mind of God, the angels, 1 Peter 1.12, desired to look into. It means they didn't know all about that. So they're not all-knowing. So if you have a passage in the Old Testament that... Uh, before the New Testament was revealed and you wanted an explanation. I don't understand what this is all about. And you ask an angel? You don't know any more than you know from reading that. They desired to look into. All right. That's a little bit about what they are not. Let's talk about what angels are. We've already established from Hebrews 1 and verse 14, they are spirits. They are of a heavenly order. They are below deity. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 and then verse... (coughs) Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 6. Hebrews 1 and in verse 6. That when he again brings the firstborn into the world, let the angels of God worship him. So if angels are worshiping deity, then they are below deity. And the same point could be made from 1 Peter chapter 3. They were subjected to him according to 1 Peter 3, 20 to 22. So they're below deity, but they're above humanity. When Jesus was made flesh, he was made a little lower than the angels. That's a quotation from Psalm 8. So Hebrews 2, 7 and Psalm 8 says, When Jesus became flesh, he was made lower than the angels. So what about, uh, what about angels? Well, they are of some heavenly order, but they're not deity, nor are they humanity. They seem to have power, and they are powerful. Let's go to the passage you have on the screen before you. Let's go to Psalm one o three, the 103rd Psalm, Psalm 103, and in verse 20. Psalm 103 and verse 20. Blessed be the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength. So angels are not weakly beings, they have strength. Obviously that's not physical strength. Maybe comparable to physical strength, because they're not physical. They do not have flesh and blood. They are accountable to heavenly law. In other words, they're they're subject to be obedient to God. How do I know that? Well, I know from 2 Peter, let's go to a couple of passages here that need to be established because this helps our understanding of angels. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 4. For he didn't if he did not spare the angels who sinned. Now if you you sin, you're accountable to law for Where there is no law, there is no transgression. Romans 4. So they sin. Without taking time to turn to Jude 6, it says essentially the same thing. Now, 1 Corinthians 11 is an interesting passage because this is talking about the covering on the the woman is to wear the covering because of authority. And then it says because of angels. What's that mean? Well, that's a good question about what that means. Does it mean because angels... Are going to do something about that or I think it more likely means she is to recognize her authority and submit because remembers angels who did not submit to authority face punishment because of that that's the point they didn't submit to authority so they're accountable to to law that means angels have free will in other words angels are not uh, robots of God where they do whatever God tells them to do and they can't do otherwise They have free will or they couldn't have sinned. Furthermore, this is interesting. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, if you will, and in verse um, 16. This is talking about Christ coming to earth. Christ coming to earth to give aid to angels. He came to give aid to, um, I'm not, not aid to angels, but to, uh, to deliver men from, from death, verse 14. Now I want you to look at verse 16. Bear with me a minute and I'm going to get another translation for you. Uh, but verse 16 said, For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he did give, does give aid to the seed of Abraham. He gives seed to the children of Abraham, but he does not give aid to angels, the text says. Let's look at a, a translation from American Standard Version of that. Hebrews 2.16 says, But he giveth, uh, for verily not to angels does he give help, but he giveth help to the seed of Abraham. In other words, the help, that is salvation that he brings to mankind through his death. That's what the point of Hebrews chapter 2, meaning the scheme of redemption, he brought to the descendants of Abraham, but he didn't bring it to angels. But that's one of the more interesting things, that I uh, come across in dealing with the matter of angels that I remembered but I'd forgotten that point that God did not provide a scheme of redemption when they sinned they fell but there's no evidence that God provided them a means of being redeemed why did he not do that? the Bible doesn't tell us so I'm kind of left wondering and scratching my head on that one is that because an angel ascending is such an offense that it's beyond redemption I don't know, maybe so. Why did he not do that? Anything's going to be speculation. So I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know why. But all I know is God did not provide them a scheme of redemption. And if so, tell me where you find that and and how would they be redeemed. That's an interesting thing. They're accountable to heavenly law. Now, let's talk about some miscellaneous facts. We're still talking about the nature of angels. I know what they're not. I know what they are. Here's some miscellaneous facts. Sometimes they appear temporarily in human form to deliver a message remember the two angels Genesis 19 1 calls them angels but the discussion down through the rest of the chapter they seem to have the form of a man and so these were called two angels perhaps just two messengers that weren't angelic beings I take it they were angelic beings who took on the form of man because God allowed that to take place in Luke 1 Gabriel seemed to have the form of a man as he's talking to Zacharias and uh and uh, that's earlier in the chapter. And then, when the angel talks to Mary, this is actually verse twenty-six. Following is the angel talking to Mary. Seems to have the form of a human, a form of a man, but called an angel. Here's another fact: they are a company and not a generation. Let's go to Hebrews chapter twelve. Go to Hebrews chapter twelve, if you will, and notice at verse twenty-two, Hebrews twelve twenty-two. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable company of angels. Never are they called a generation, meaning they're not born or generated. In other words, we don't have a new angel that was born yesterday. So here's a baby angel going to grow up and become an adult angel and get married, and then they have, have a baby, and now we generate more angels. No evidence that they are generated or born. They're called a company of angels just an interesting fact same context Hebrews 12 verse 22 they are innumerable they're thousands of thousands Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels in other words there's not a number that's given like there are a thousand angels in heaven or there are 10,000 angels in heaven they are innumerable like the sand of the sea the text would describe though that phrase is not used I'm using that phrase to just to identify innumerable We won't go through all of those passages, but Hebrews 12 says they are innumerable. Uh, Thousands of thousands uh, would be mentioned in other passages. They speak. If I speak with the tongue of men or of angels, angels can speak, and they did speak. Remember, they're messengers. Angels have emotions. Angels have emotions. That should say Job instead of John. There's not 38 chapters in John that I remember. But Job 38, if you find the 38th chapter of John, raise your hand and I'll let you read that. Um, But Job 38 and in verse 7, they have emotions. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. We're basing it on chapter 1 and verse 6. Those sons of God must be angels Um, that we, we talk about in chapter 1. When a sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. So they have emotion and they're rejoicing, they're excited when someone responds to the invitation of the gospel. Now this is interesting and can be established, though there's some things, questions that I don't know the answers to with reference to rank. There seems to be rank among angels, in other words, it's not that there are just thousands of angels and all angels are equal. There seems to be rank among them and how do I know that well all of these passages talk about Michael the archangel and some translations will say the chief angel so the idea of being an archangel suggests rank above other angels the catholics I believe it's the catholics that talk about nine uh tiers of angels I don't know anything about that I didn't find anything about that in the scriptures but I do find something about some idea of rank Now there is question of whether seraphim and cherubim, and we'll talk a little more about those tonight, or even angels themselves, but some think that the seraphim is an order of angels, but the cherubim may be higher than them, or maybe the seraphim are higher than the the cherubim. I don't find any real evidence of either one, but the idea somehow, and I'm just suggesting that... Maybe there's the archangel and there's seraphim and and cherubim may describe rank. Or it's possible that they're not even dealing with angels. We'll talk about that this evening. Let's spend the rest of our time talking about the role of angels. That's more important to us. What's the angels do? What are they doing now? And we'll answer more about that tonight when we raise the question of guardian angels. What's the role of angels? Well, there's a great deal said about the role of angels in the scriptures. First of all, they worship and serve God. In interest of time, I'm not going to, to read all of those passages, I just cite those and if you want copies of this, you can get that off the internet or I'll give that to you. But those passages, we've already read Psalm 148, uh, talks about them worshiping and praising God. All of these passages talk about angels worshiping and praising God. So one of the things they're doing, if nothing else is accomplished, in heaven they're, they're praising and, and giving honor and worship unto God. Alright? That's not all that they do. They are messengers by definition to deliver a message, a promise, or instruction. And they were used so in the Old Testament. And so again, I'm not going to take the time to notice every passage. I'm just going to list these. And you can go back and study these in your own time. Uh, they delivered a message to Hagar. An angel appeared to Hagar and delivered a message. An angel appeared to Abraham and delivered a message, Genesis 22. An angel delivered a message to Jacob in Genesis 31. An angel appeared to Moses, remember at the burning bush? The text says an angel appeared to him and spoke to him, gave him a message. Remember when Balaam's donkeys balked on him and finally an angel began to speak to him. An angel was delivering a message to Balaam. That was an angel doing that. The Israelites, Judges 2, 1 to 5, were given a message. An angel was sent to deliver a message to the Israelites. Gideon had an angel speak to him. We just recently studied about Gideon, chapter 6. Chapter 13, that's even more recent. Remember uh, Samson's mom and dad, that's Manoah and Manoah's wife. They had an angel speak to them according to verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 13. Elijah had an angel come and deliver a message or deliver a promise to him. So all i want you to see from that without we could take the time to bog down with all of those passages but god used them as messengers that was their mission and that was their function all right what about in new testament times well there was a message given to but that's in the old testament period by the way christ hadn't died but it's in the new testament the section of the bible called the new testament is my point point. and so in luke chapter 1 when zacharias was told about the birth of john that was Gabriel, the angel, came and delivered that message. So he's delivering a message. Mary, same context, had a message delivered to her by an angel about the birth of her child. Joseph, when he was wondering about putting her away, remember that? And an angel came and said, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy. So that was a message delivered by an angel. When the shepherds, remember the shepherds, were told about the birth of the child, there was an angel that appeared to them. When the the disciples came to the tomb... And they saw the empty tomb. Remember who told them the tomb was empty? It was an angel. In fact, there were two angels that were there. One at the foot one at the head where the body of Jesus would lay. And the angels told that indeed he is risen from the dead. Now I want to turn to Acts chapter 8. Turn with me to Acts the 8th chapter if you will. An angel appeared to Philip and talked to Philip. And an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down toward from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he went. So an angel appeared to the preacher Philip and told him, You need to go down here and preach the gospel. The messenger, the angel, an angel according to verse 3 of Acts 10 appeared to Cornelius telling him to send men for to Joppa and go for Peter and tell him to come. I'll come back to that in just a moment. And Acts 27, remember on the The ship, when they're about to wreck, and it looks like things are going to be lost, an angel of God told Peter, or Paul, rather there be no loss of life, but stay aboard ship. So an angel appeared to Paul. But that's not all the references, but that gives us a gist of the kinds of things they did as far as messengers. Uh, John, Revelation 1 and verse 1, the message came uh, through an angel. Now, here's something important. And why I mentioned, I wanted us to turn and look at the case of Philip. The angels never did preach the gospel. I don't find a record anywhere while they were messengers that an angel went and told someone what to do to be saved. An angel appeared to Philip and told him to go preach, told the candidate to go to the preacher, but the the angel never told them what to do to be saved. An angel never preached the gospel that I have a record of. I don't remember one anywhere. Nor did an angel appear to anyone to save them. You won't find anywhere where an angel appeared to someone and they were saved. Cornelius had an angel appear to him and yet he had to hear words whereby he and all of his house could be saved. So they didn't preach. Nor did they save individuals. What else do we know about their role? They were involved in the giving of the Old Testament law. Somehow, in the giving of the Old Testament law, we might back up to Acts chapter 7. And notice in Acts 7 and verse 53, who have received the law by the direction of angels. Same principle can be seen in these other passages on the screen. Now, how did the angels, or how were they involved in the giving of the law? I don't know. what they do? What difference did they make in the giving of the law? I don't know. The text doesn't say. But somehow the angels were involved in the delivering of the law, the text says. They were used as agents of judgment. Uh, 2 Kings 19 said angels were involved in the killing of 185 Assyrians. Angels were involved in killing 70,000 Israelites, 2 Samuel 24. They were involved in killing the firstborn of Egypt, Hebrews Hebrews 11, 28, uh, Exodus 12 and verse 23. So they were agents of judgment. Furthermore, Herod was killed by an angel. Remember Herod? In New Testament times, Acts 12 and verse 23, they served as angels of judgment. They're also angels of deliverance. They're, they're agents of deliverance and agents of strength. They delivered a lot according to Genesis 19:1 and 5. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered by an angel, Daniel chapter 3, 28. Daniel was delivered out of the lion's Then Daniel 6, by an angel. David said he was delivered out of trouble, Psalm 34 and verse 7, by an angel. Remember when the apostles, we recently studied that as we're still, uh, just came out of the book of Acts not long ago, when Peter was delivered from prison, it was an angel that opened the gate and uh, opened the door cell and let him out and uh, worked with him. Acts 12, the same thing. Acts 16, the same thing. Angels were involved in the deliverance of the apostles. Elijah was delivered by an angel, 1 Kings chapter 19 and in verse 5. Now, i list Jesus here because the text says angels came and ministered to him. This is in the context. Notice where this is, Matthew 4. That's in the midst of the temptation. Angels came and ministered to him. what'd they do? I don't know. How'd they help him? I'm not sure. I don't need to know. All I know is angels came and somehow served as a matter of providing strength or providing deliverance. Somehow they helped him and they can... Uh, uh, they they can be listed as agents of deliverance and agents of strength. They were used to convey the, the Lazarus, this is the rich man in Lazarus, that Lazarus, to the Hadean realm. Angels came and carried him into Abraham's bosom. Remember that? Angels did that, Luke 16 and in verse 12. They gather evil people out of the kingdom, Matthew 13 and in verse 41. So angels served as agents of deliverance. Angels guided, let's notice this passage before we go to one that applies directly to us let's go to the book of Exodus if you will go to Exodus chapter 14 Exodus 14 and in verse 19 the angel of God went forth from the camp the text says moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went before them and stood before them so when they're moving with the pillar of cloud the fire in the, in the cloud it says the angel of God was moving them so an angel guided Israel. We see that in Judges 2 as well that they guided Israel. Now let's turn to Hebrews 1 in verse 14. This is the only passage listen to me carefully. This is the only passage that directly tells me what angels may be doing to or for me in the present day. Now there are other passages talk about their interest and we'll come to that, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 14. Go to Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 14. Now, this passage says, are not they all, now these are the angels. The point of Hebrews 1 is that Christ is superior to angels. Angels have been mentioned at verse 1 and at verse 7, so I know he's talking about angels. You say, I'm reading verse 14, I don't see angels. You gotta get angels back at verse 6 and verse 7. That's the subject. Now that we know we're talking about angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Now that's us. So what is the role of angels? They're ministering spirits. Now notice, not two but four. That's an important thing. I don't think you'll find a passage that talks about what angels do to you. What has an angel done to you? I don't know, I can't find anybody that talks about that. But I know what angels can do for me, which means they may be doing something on my behalf that may not be directed toward me. In other words, he's not coming to me and appearing to me. He's not talking to me. I don't have to feel his presence. He might be working for me. So go back and read your text. Are not they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Now listen to this carefully. This is important. One of the more important phrases I'll use in the whole lesson. What they do and how they do that we are not told. That's important enough. I want to say that again. I want you to get that. What they do for us And how they do it, we're not told. Anything we say about that is going to be speculation. When I say, well, this this was God's angels working on my behalf. Maybe, but that's speculation. You have no revelation about that. Well, I think what angels are doing, well, you're going to speculate now. Because you don't have any revelation on that. All I know and all I can know about what angels are doing that are directly affect me is they're ministering spirits for us. They're God's servants. They're ministering, they're serving for us. What are they doing? I don't know. text doesn't tell us. I do know they're interested in the activity of Christians. Some think, and I, I, I went ahead and threw this passage in, I think there's no angels sinning, but some think that that's talking about because angels are interested in your welfare. Okay, maybe so. But Luke 15 directly tells me that they're interested in our welfare. When they rejoice over a sinner that repents, then they're interested in me. So when I sin, and angels are wanting me to repent, not because they're deity, but because they want to see me do what's right. And they have emotions and they rejoice over that. So they're interested in my welfare. So whatever they're doing for me, they're doing for my good. What is that? I don't know. The text does not say. Now, one other thing here and then we'll be done. They will accompany Christ at the second coming. He's coming in the cloud with his angels. We often talk about Christ coming again. We'll see him in the, but we're going to see angels. He's coming with his angels. The text says. And 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 9. do you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. There's his power, by the way. These other passages say essentially the same thing. So what will they do in the second coming? I'm not sure. The text doesn't say. But when he comes, the angels will accompany him and they'll be with him. And so when he returns, the angels are coming back. So what have we seen? Well what the word angel means, where they came from, what their nature is, and something about the role, the functions they have. And so what are we going to do tonight? Let me remind you again. So hopefully you'll be back tonight and we'll try to answer these questions. Is there any communication between angels and, and man? Do angels have wings? Is that just a myth or, or is there, does the Bible even talk about angels having wings? And more importantly, I want to spend some time talking about, do we have guardian angels? And if so, what does that mean and what does that imply? And are all, are all angels good? And furthermore, what is the destiny of angels? What's going to happen to angels? What's their destiny? And we'll talk about that in our study tonight. There may be one or more present who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God, Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith, and be buried in the waters of baptism that you might have the remission of sins? It may be there's an erring child of God who needs to make correction. The angels in heaven will rejoice. Not only will God rejoice, fellow Christians rejoice, but the host of innumerable angels will rejoice when you make your life right with the Lord. If you're subject in any way, we hope and trust that you'll come. While together we stand and while we sing.